This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We're busy with a series called Spirit Wars. God is doing something very significant in me. Uh, I really feel this is a significant season that... What the Lord is currently doing in, I feel like it's going to, like 20 years from now, I'm still going to think back about this past week of what God has been doing in me. And it really is all about the cross of Christ. So, uh, so as I said last week and this week, it's two challenging messages. But praise God, you're not a sissy, so you can handle it. Amen. Come on, say Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is not a soft message I'm preaching. I'm not going to apologize for that. Um, but I, I really feel God wants to do something massive on the inside of us, significant transformational truths that I feel God wants to release into us. Uh, so I had a good story this week. Um, a while ago, I shared about Stefan, Stefan and Nastasha, Stefan's dad. Um, he's for more than 10 years, been on a, on a lot of medication. He's had a, multiple heart attacks. He's only he had less than 30% functionality of his heart. So 25% or less. At the most, it was 30%. They would drop again at times. So anyway, so he, um, so Stefan's dad, who's 58, was uh, here in church. He and his mom, and they responded on an altar call. They came forward to to address fear. They were afraid about the future because he should already have been dead. And 10 years, really, really tough 10 years that uh, he needs to take naps every afternoon. He can't breathe normally. It's really tough. His heart is, I think he said, two times or three times larger than it should be. Something like that. Anyway, so we prayed with him, and he immediately felt better. And uh, in that week, um, he didn't need to take naps anymore. He he didn't know what to do with his energy, but he hasn't been to the doctor. And then last week... Something bad actually happened. He uh, suddenly felt as if he's getting a heart attack, and he had a big scare. So they got the doctors and the paramedics, and they did the study, or they tested him and everything. In the end, they found out, no, it was just indigestion, and there's nothing wrong with his heart. His heart is perfect. Hallelujah. Come on. Jesus heals. So that, that, that for me is just wonderful. Jesus is the answer. doesn't matter what you're going through. He really is the answer. Eternal life and freedom in this life. Okay, so, so I want to share a little bit about the spirit wars that uh, the scripture. So, so it says, those, so the great dragon, that's the, that's the devil, was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. Say deceive. Okay, deceives the whole world and he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. I shared about this last week. So evil is real. And so what's been happening, I've been reading this book called uh, Tortured for Christ by Richard Wurmbrand. He was a Romanian pastor under communism. He was tortured for Christ. And uh, there's some photos of them up there. And, and it's been just, you've been working my internal everything. You know, I really feel he's like a modern day apostle. And he has been revealing through his lifestyle, 14 years in jail, unbelievable torture, unbelievable suffering that they went through. But in all of that, it was like, it's like, I was like, God is showing me what the real deal looks like. 
How do you know when something is the real deal? Let me ask you this question. How do you know if a Christian is a real Christian? 80% of our country says, almost 80% say they're Christian. Andrew says you squeeze them and you see what pops out. eh? (laughs) That's a very good technique of figuring out if someone is a Christian. Yeah, but there are so many people in name, they're saying, well, I'm a believer. And you've asked them, because sometimes you speak to people and you feel like, Yo, I don't know if you've got a living relationship with Jesus, but they'll probably tell you, hey, I go to church once a year or more, and I pray when things go really bad, <laughs> you know, and, and so more, you know, I read my Bible every now and again and, and, and so forth. You know, so I, I believe, I believe in Jesus, or I believe in God. You know, the Bible says the demons believe also in God. You know, so I mean, to, to believe, as I say, to give men, mental assent is not sufficient. The question is, how do you know if somebody is a real Christian? I want to answer that question this morning, but also I want to, I want to highlight something about what I believe one of the biggest schemes is the devil's a deceiver. He deceives the whole world. Do you know what I feel the enemy has done? He has created a different version of Christianity with all the same names, Christian, Jesus, all of that, but it's a watered-down, lukewarm version of Christianity. And so 80% of our country says they are Christian. I guarantee you 80% are not real Christians. If it's 20%, it is massive. You know, and so how do you know if something's real? If you want to know if this is a false diamond, uh, 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 a, a, a fake one, then you must need to look at the real diamond. And when you look at the real diamond, you compare the real, the fake one to the real one. You say, "Hey, this is a fake one." Isn't that so, Greg? <laughs> Our jewelers. They should know. You know, you, you know the fake by knowing the real deal. You know a fake note by know, knowing the real, the, what the real deal looks like. And so I, I want to show us through some stories again this morning of what the real deal looks like. And man, I'm falling short. Okay? So I'm like, Lord Jesus, we need some changes in our, in our, in our, in our lives. So, so Richard Wurmbrand, he, he shares his story. And uh, he, was, he, was a, he was a Jew before. He was an atheistic Jew, actually, communistic, atheistic Jew. And then he started to read the Bible. And so, so he was drawn to Jesus. He was drawn to turn to Christ, but he was battling. And at some point, he heard an answer came into his head while he was still wrestling. An answer came into his head like a plea, interrupting his thoughts. And he heard these words, come my way. This is Jesus speaking. Come my way. Don't fear the cross. You'll find that it's the greatest joy possible. Don't fear the cross. You'll find that it's the greatest joy possible. I just love the, the songs about the cross this morning. There's something about the cross. And see, what the enemy has done is, one of his greatest deceptions is that he has removed the heart of the gospel from the body of Christ. He's ripped the heart out. He's ripped the heart out, out of the body. The church is called the body of Christ and also the bride of Christ. Now what the enemy has done is ripped the heart out of, in the Western world, he's ripped out the heart of the gospel. 
Do you know what that heart is? It is the cross. And it's not just Jesus died for me. It is come to the cross and die to self so that you might truly live. I mean, that's what, what Jesus was saying to, to, to Richard. He was saying, come, there's a joy there. You'll find that it's the greatest joy possible when you come to the cross. So what the enemy has done is he has replaced the heart of the church in the Western world with something else. The, the heart's been ripped out. The cross has been removed. Sacrifice has been removed. And now it's me, self. Bless me, Jesus. And yes, he wants to bless us. He wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your life. He wants all of that. But who's sitting on the throne? So I want to answer that question. Now, let's listen to this. So Richard is this. Richard is in jail now. He's, I think first section was eight years in jail, three years in solitary confinement. Unbelievable tortures that he went through. Now, later when he was with other guys in the prison cell, he says, I was late in prison together with souls whom God had helped me to win for Christ. I was in the same cell with one who had left behind six children and who was now in prison for his Christian faith. His wife and children were starving. He might never see them again. So I asked him, have you any resentment against me that I brought you to Christ? And because of this, your family is in such misery. What do you think would be the persecuted Christian's response? The real deal. He answered, I have no words to express my thankfulness that you have brought me to the wonderful Savior. I would never have it any other way. Isn't that amazing? You see, that guy has met Jesus. He's met the real deal. It's not the watered-down, lukewarm version of Western Christianity. It's like, Jesus, you've given your life for me, my life for you. I'm showing you the diamond, the real deal, the real deal diamond of what it looks like. So there's an evil in this world that absolutely despises mankind. And I want to share with us this morning how to do revenge on the devil. Woohoo. Come on. How to do revenge on the devil. Revelation 12, verses 10 to 11. It says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now, say now, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. The devil has been cast down and it's war. How will we overcome? And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, let's say blood of the Lamb. That's all that Jesus done for us, the cross, His blood shed for us. And then in this passage, and, and by the word of their testimony, they weren't afraid to share Jesus. And thirdly, they did not love their lives to the death. In other words, they weren't afraid to lay down their lives. They weren't afraid. They didn't love their lives so much. They didn't embrace the selfish gospel. They didn't embrace the lukewarm gospel of the Western world. Now look at this, this will, this has so rocked me, this story, about the, it connects with the bride of Christ. It says, one of our workers in the underground church, this is in Romania, they, they had an underground church doing the work of the gospel, sharing with people the gospel. And it says, one of our workers in the underground church was a young girl. The communist police discovered that she secretly spread gospels and taught children about Christ. It's amazing when you look at the schemes of the devil under communism, an atheistic uh, belief system that wanted to, to, to corrupt the minds of people, they were like, guys, 
All people go to church. Children are not allowed to go to church. Children, we will, we will, we will teach the children. Because they knew the power of teaching the children. So I want to encourage us as parents, we need to fight for our children. So anyway, she was discovered for teaching children about Christ. They decided to arrest her. But to make the arrest as agonizing and painful as they could, they decided to delay her arrest a few weeks until the day she was to be married. On her wedding day, the girl was dressed as a bride. The most wonderful, joyous day in a girl's life. Suddenly the door burst open and the secret police rushed in. When the bride saw the secret police, she held out her arms toward them to be handcuffed. They roughly put the monocles on her, on her wrists. She looked toward her beloved, then kissed the chains. She kissed the chains and said, I thank my heavenly bridegroom for this jewel he has presented to me on my marriage day. I thank him that I am worthy to suffer for him. Isn't that crazy? I thank him that I am worthy to suffer for him. She was dragged off with weeping Christians and a weeping bridegroom left behind. They knew what happens to young Christian girls in the hands of communist guards. Her bridegroom faithfully waited for her. After five years, she was released. A destroyed, broken woman looking 30 years older. She said, listen to this, it was the least she could do for her Christ. Yes. I don't know about you, but I don't feel very saved. Such beautiful Christians are in the underground church. You see, in our environment, we think when bad things happen to us, you know, God, where are you? Why are you punishing us? These people understood the cross. They were like, God, thank you for the honor of laying down my life for Jesus. So come on, evaluate. Let's evaluate ourselves. Where are we? Where are we at? John 12, 25, Jesus speaking, he says, He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Yo, that's a challenge. You see, when you love your life, as that scripture says, you will lose it. Why? Because you're not loving Jesus more than you love your life. And you might say, oh, this is tough. It is freedom. That's the that's the weird thing. It is absolute freedom when you come to the cross and you die to self. It's been said if you don't have a cause that is worth dying for, you very likely don't have anything worth living for. If you don't have a cause worth dying for, you most likely don't have a reason for, for living. You very likely don't have anything worth living for. Jesus is a cause worth dying for. And in our environment, yeah, probably we're not going to get tortured. No, we're probably not going to have to physically die. But come on, there should be a sacrifice. So I want to give you a definition, what I believe is a real Christian. A real Christian. I believe a real Christian is somebody that is willing to make great sacrifices for Jesus. And they do this with great joy. Because that's what I'm seeing when I'm looking at the underground church, the persecuted church. They say in Western Europe, the church basically died in the years that communism was reigning in the East. And in the East, where it was the persecuted church, it was absolutely flourishing. It was exploding with growth. But in the West, where there was freedom, it was literally dying. 
They were saying on a Sunday, there were more people going to occultic meetings than they were going to church in the West in the 1980s. I don't know how it's now. It's probably worse now. But it makes you think a real Christian is willing to make great sacrifices for Christ with great joy. My question to you is, can you be a real Christian and not make great sacrifices for Jesus? Can you be? Because I'm thinking when I became a Christian at the age of 18, I had to make a whole lot of sacrifices for Jesus. I had to stop going to the pubs. I had to stop getting drunk. I had to stop messing around with ungodly entertainment. I had to walk away from a whole bunch of friends that were bad influences on me. I looked weird. I stood out. But you know what I gained? Freedom. I gained Christ. I gained intimacy with Christ. Can you be a Christian and not make great sacrifices for Jesus? In our Western world, we have a lot of examples of, yes, but that's a Christian, that's a Christian, that's a Christian, that's a Christian. Can I put it to you? I don't think that is Christianity. It is a watered-down, lukewarm version of Christianity, and God has called you and me to rise above it, but with joy. Not like, oh, I need to sacrifice. Like, wow, what a privilege. God, I can give of my time. I can give of my life to you. So listen to this. And this is how crazy, how crazy the the real gospel is. So Richard, this guy was a pastor and uh, a lot of persecution was happening. He says, until this point, Richard's life as a pastor had been full of satisfaction. His salary could support Sabina and Mei, their son, and his church family loved and trusted him. But Richard wasn't at peace why? And they were like, why had God allowed him to live as usual while a tyrannical dictatorship was destroying everything around him and while other Christians were suffering for their faith? He couldn't figure it out. God, everybody else is now suffering. I'm not suffering. This is wrong. Uh, that's weird, huh? So he said, then many nights, Richard and Sabina prayed for God to give them a cross to bear. And soon their prayers would be answered. Unbelievable torture and stuff happening. But but you see that heart of like, God, we want to bear a cross. We want to sacrifice for your cause because Jesus, you died for us. I mean, Peter, the apostle, history says to us when when he was killed by the Romans, he was crucified like Jesus. And as they were bringing him to the cross, he told them, no, I can't die like my Savior died. I want to be crucified upside down. And they crucified him upside down, church history tells us. They were willing to lay down their life because this life was not their focus. Eternity was their focus. They were like, this is short, man. (sighs) Breath and it's over. We're living for the ultimate reward, the ultimate prize. And I know in our environment, we have no idea. This is foreign to us. I don't know if anybody saw the movie called Moana. It's an animation, Disney animation. In the movie, there's this... uh, Tefiti, this goddess, beautiful goddess, and then this naughty guy came and he stole the heart of Tefiti. And the end result, sorry, going to spoil it to you, but anyway, she became this angry devil. She became this horrible, demonized being. Terrible, until the end, when the heart was put back. She became again this beautiful, beautiful bride. I believe it's a prophetic picture for the bride of Christ in the West. We've lost our heart. We've lost our passion to sacrifice. We have no idea what Jesus has done for us. And God is calling us to lay down, to, to sacrifice, to get the heart back. 
put the heart back. God wants to make his bride beautiful. So the one uh, evening we were watching Moana. Some people feel Moana is a very bad movie. It's a very evil movie, and maybe it is. Um, but I, we found that every movie, every story has a redemptive component. So the last bit of this movie where this devil comes to this little girl and she puts the heart, the stone back. To, and, and then she was transformed into this beautiful thing. And I turned to my son, Vian. I said to him, Vian, that's what Jesus does. He takes us from being these bad people and he puts a new heart within us. And we are transformed. I tell you, we're watching Moana. And then the presence of God was in the house. Vian went to his room. He's nine years old. Went to his room and he closed the door. He put up worship music and he spent an hour or more there weeping before God as God was touching him. You can turn anything, even Moana, into the gospel message. But that's what Jesus does. He comes and takes messed up people like you and me and he transforms us. Religion says, come to church, be bored to death. Go home, and next week, same deal. And there's no change on the inside. The real deal is real change. How do you know that there's been real change? It's like we become willing to sacrifice for Jesus. We become willing to lay down our lives for God. So what I'm not saying is, when it comes to sacrifice, I'm not saying, baby dedication again. <laughs> oh, bless you, little one. So what I'm not saying is, I'm not saying you need to work for your salvation. I'm not saying that through sacrifice you earn your salvation, because some people think that. That's not how it works. Also, it's not sacrificing to impress or to look spiritual. So the Pharisees, they were willing to sacrifice to look good in people's eyes. Oh, look at how I'm fasting. Look at how impressed. So, so, so the sacrificial component becomes about impressing people. I'm not talking about that. When I'm saying sacrifice, I'm saying because of your love for Jesus Christ, you are willing to lay down your life. And that's many different ways. The persecutions, persecuted Christians, the real Christians were willing to sacrifice for Christ. Not to be saved, but because they love Christ. Amen. Okay. So Mark 13, 13. See, in, in, our, in our Western gospel, Christianity becomes a means to an end. I want to become a good person so that people would think I'm wonderful. A respected individual in society. Look, I'm in church. You know, respected individual. That's what happens with Christianity when it becomes the, the, the major thing, you know. It's about image. It's about what we look like. What did Jesus say? Mark 13, 13. We're just looking at the real deal. He says, and you will be hated by all for my namesake. Thank you, Jesus. That's so encouraging. You will be hated by all for my namesake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. You see, but the Western... Compromised gospel has become a success gospel, a popularity gospel. Come to Jesus and you will have a wonderful life. And yes, you will. You'll have peace. Yes, you will have joy. Jesus will heal your marriage. He'll maybe heal your physical heart and your, 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 he'll, he'll touch you. He'll do awesome things. But that's not the main deal. The main deal is, Jesus, be the king on the throne of my heart. Jesus, be number one. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be added. 
But what has happened is so little bit by little bit has become, seek all these other things and let Jesus be the one that gives it to you. He's, he's the, 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 the genie that comes and helps. He's the one that is your blesser. But no, he is the king of glory that sits on the throne. Okay, so I want to give us just a few, a few, four ways, quickly, of how to do revenge on the devil. Okay, number one, joy. Hallelujah. The devil doesn't know what to do with a joyful Christian. He wants to steal your joy. He wants you to mope and feel sorry for yourself. And we can see this with the apostles of Acts 5, 40. So the, the, the religious leaders and the leaders of the nation called them in and then they said to them, they're not allowed to speak about Jesus, all the apostles, the 11 remaining apostles. And it says, and they agreed with him. This is the other guys talking. Sorry. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. And so the apostles departed and they wept bitterly. And they prayed and they said, Jesus, where are you? Why have you forsaken us? How could you allow them to shame us and beat us? This is the temple of the Holy Spirit and they beat us, Jesus. What is happening, Lord? No, no, they didn't say that. It said, verse 41, so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Whoo! Isn't that amazing? On what planet are these guys? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Oh, and I know it sounds counterintuitive. It sounds like this is crazy. I tell you, it is freedom. It's as if Jesus spoke to Richard Wimbrand and said, come to the cross, you will discover your greatest joy ever. And verse 42, and then they continued, and daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They did not hold back. Isn't that amazing? I'm, I'm showing you the real deal Christianity now. The diamond, the perfect, beautiful diamond. Evaluate yourself. Are you willing to make sacrifices for Jesus? So what I basically want to say is, come to the cross and die to self so that you might truly live. It is absolute freedom. So Richard Wimmer and he shares uh, the, the two weeks before he was abducted and then put in jail for eight years and tortured terribly. But the two weeks before, he was reading through the book of Joshua. And he was reading, it says, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And he made a study about the word fear or afraid. And he discovered there are 366 References to do not be afraid in the Bible. 366. One for every day of the year and for a leap year. Uh-huh. Now look at this. He was abducted on 29 Feb. A leap year. And as when he was abducted, he was like afraid for a moment. And then all these came back. And then he realized, I have the promise of Jesus Christ. 366 promises, one for every day. And even for the 29th of February when they abducted me. And he says, then he started to smile. And the, 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 he's, he's, the guys who caught him were getting like, what's wrong with this guy? Why are you smiling? Why are you smiling? I mean, it's amazing. Even when he came out of jail, um, uh, people from the West came to his house and someone said to in this area, and they said to him, that guy was in jail and he was tortured for Christ and so forth. They're like, oh, a real guy was, a guy was in jail. So they went to him, they spoke to him and they said to him, uh-uh, 
you can't be that guy. You are too joyful. You should be a broken, miserable, depressed, fearful human being. And he wasn't. He was joyful because he's discovered joy in the cross. I know it's counterintuitive. It's the, king, the kingdom of God is upside down. If you want to save your life, you need to lose it. If you want to lose your life, then you need to become full of self. Ah, just so powerful. Look at this. He said, we should, we should never stop at having won a soul for Christ. By this we have done only half the work. Every soul won for Christ must be made to be a soul winner. And he says the Russians, there were Russians coming to, uh, to uh, Romania and he was leading the Russians to Christ. He says the Russians were not only converted but became missionaries in the underground church. He says they were reckless and daring for Christ. Always saying that it was the least they could do for Christ who died for them. They were reckless. They were reckless and daring for Christ. Come on. So can you and I tell somebody about Jesus? Can we share with them what he has done in us? I believe we can. So the first one is joy. An unstoppable. If you want to freak the devil out, don't lose your joy. Just Jesus, what an honor to be persecuted for you. Secondly, love your enemies. So these guys were tortured and they started to love their torturers. Listen to this. They started to love the ones who tortured them. And he says, that they had a prayer. He said, I have seen Christians in communist prisons with 50 pounds of chains on their feet, tortured with red-hot iron pokers, in whose throats spoonfuls of salt had been forced, being kept afterward without water, starving, whipped, suffering from cold, and praying with fervor for the communists. This is humanly inexplicable. It is the love of Christ which has been poured out into their hearts. Come on, I'm showing you the real deal. And we get offended with someone at work that treats us like with dirt. I mean, this is next level stuff. And they beg God for their souls. So Richard shares, you know, it was so wonderful in communist prisons because he said the, the, the communists understood their love for worship. So they would give each of them an instrument. Isn't that awesome? So each of them got an instrument so they could all together worship Jesus. Do you know what the instrument was? The chains around their feet. So they'd clink and clap and make noise and worship Jesus with the chains. Yes. Come on. That's amazing. So love your enemies. It, you know, when you love someone that's hurt you, it, it sets you free. It sets you free. It's doing revenge on the devil. It's saying, devil, I can see you working through this person. You're trying to get to me. You're trying to mess me up. You're trying to wound my heart. I'm seeing you, devil. I'm going to do revenge on you. Hey, let me love you. Let me love the person with all my heart. Come on, let's say it. Let me love the person with all my heart. I said this before. Every one of us have a person or persons that freak us out. That one person at work, that one family member, or maybe a whole lot of them. The whole family. <laughs> I've got good news for you. They are your ticket to glory. They are your ticket to glory. If you can love them, you are free. Jesus said, I said it last week, Jesus said, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. So I can go to the cross and die. I can obey God. I can lay down my life for Christ. 
The enemy wants to put things on the inside of us so he can have us. Worry about your kids. Worry about your finances. Worry about your future. Be offended with the people around you. He's got a whole lot of connections on the inside of many of us. And he can torture us and torment us and make us anxious and worried and messed up. But I tell you, when you forgive and you love back, it's like, okay, so what can you do? (laughs) What can evil do to us? It is absolute revenge, and you're going to freak him out. The devil's going to have sleepless nights about you. I I want to do that. I want to give him sleepless nights. Come on, third one, almost finished. Testify. So a quote again from him, it says, A flower, if you bruise it under your feet, rewards you by giving you its perfume. Likewise, Christians tortured by the communists rewarded their torturers by love. We brought many of our jailers to Christ, and we are dominated by one desire, to give communists who have made us suffer the best we have, the salvation that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. How awesome. So God wants us, if you want to do revenge with the devil... Talk, you need to speak, you need to share with somebody about Jesus. You need to tell them what he has done in you. And maybe if you can't tell somebody what he's done in you, maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you're not the real deal. Maybe you haven't had an encounter with Christ. Yo, I had a good Friday morning. I had the privilege of speaking at Selborne Primary to the, to the whole school. Man, I didn't sleep much the previous night. I was just doing spirit, just praying, praying. I thought I'd slept about four hours the night before. But I was just reading. I felt like, God, there's like five, six hundred plus young boys that needs you. And one prayer, one message, one seed sown into their hearts could bear fruit for life. So at the end, I made an altar call. I spoke about turning to Jesus. The whole school got up and a lot of the teachers got up and they prayed the salvation prayer with me. Jesus was in the house. Amen. Amen. So imagine that 600 young boys all switch on for Christ. Wow. But then it will take a switched on church to help them to get switched on. A lukewarm church cannot release fire. It's only a, a holy committed people to God that can release fire empowered, Holy Spirit empowered believers. It's just burning in my soul, people. We need to tell. You need to speak. You need to share with somebody. We can't go through life anymore just like, oh, I don't know, I can't tell. You die without Jesus, you're gone forever. You're in trouble. Heaven, hell, it's real. It is so real. But the church in the West, we've become this lukewarm. We've lost our heart. It's been ripped from the body of Christ, from the bride of Christ. I believe God wants us to get it back. Amen. It's something about persecution and suffering that you can ask anybody. It just sort of reprioritizes your life. The church in the West, we focus on 100 million different things, weird and wacky. The church under the persecuted lands, they focus on one thing. Getting souls to be saved. And then discipling them to get people saved. You know? And the same thing. We were chatting to, speaking to John Pierre and Kim yesterday. She, she was diagnosed with cancer, uh, what, six or so weeks ago. Had a double mastectomy. And, 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 and she said to us yesterday afternoon, if I had to have the choice, I guess she's going through chemotherapy now. It's really hectic. And she said, if I would have the choice of going through this again or not, she says, I want to go through this again. Because I can see the change. 
our lives have been transformed through cancer. Now that is revenge on the devil. That is revenge on cancer. It's like, yes, I see you and I raise you a hundred. Stuff you. She has an open door now to speak to the, everybody because, you know, who's not going to listen to a 33-year-old who's got, gone through a cancer ordeal? It's a wide open door to talk, share about Jesus. It is awesome. And so God wants to give you and me opportunities. Listen to this last story. He says, later, the communists who had tortured us were sent to prison. So the guys who were tortured them were also sent to prison. Under communism, communists and even communist rulers are put in prison almost as often as their adversaries. Now the tortured and the torturer were in the same cell. And while the non-Christians showed hatred toward their former inquisitors and beat them, Christians took their defense, even at the risk of being beaten themselves and accused of being accomplices with communism. I have seen Christians give away their last slice of bread. We were given one slice a week. And the medicine that could save their lives to save a sick communist torturer who was now a fellow prisoner. Isn't that amazing? The love for people that will just cause you to sacrifice, to break out of your own fears, to break out of your own stuff, to see the kingdom of God come. Man, I think that is amazing. So fourthly, last thing. Endear to the end and you will be saved. I'm not going to read the scripture there. But so those four things. First one is joy. Come on, let's say joy. joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Secondly, love your enemies. Thirdly, testify at every possible opportunity. Tell somebody about Jesus, what he's done in your life. And then fourthly, endure joyfully. And you will see the kingdom of God come and you will be the devil's worst nightmare. That's also one of my, my favorite topics. The devil's worst nightmare. Amen. Okay, so I want to ask Royden. Royden, where are you, brother? Royden is going to come and share his story and what Jesus has done in his life. There's so many stories amongst us, but I really felt the Lord wants to uh, speak through him. So let's give him a hand. Good morning, all. I just want to say this morning, our God is awesome. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Andre, for giving me this opportunity to, to share my testimony this morning. Just to give you a little bit of background about myself, um, my name is Royden, I'm 30 years old, I'm married to a beautiful wife named Shana, and we have got a son um, who's five years old, and his name is Tate. I grew up in a loving home, very sheltered life, no major loss or hurt, and have two wonderful parents that are still married today. In my early youth, I attended Sunday school. Um, for up until I was about 10 years of age, um, and then my walk with God stopped. At the age of 17, I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol. At the age of 19, I moved to the UK um, on a working holiday and found myself mixing in the wrong crowds. Um, I formed an addiction for drugs and alcohol. My first choice of drug was marijuana, which became habitual and turned into an excess use of cocaine. This addiction stuck with me, which caused a secret identity for over 10 years. I was living three different lives, a work life, a home life, and my addiction. I would wake up every morning with such bad anxiety, um, which caused me to vomit, 
the anxiety, the anxiety of a stressful job and the reality of having a hidden identity, my addiction and the binges I used to go on. It was so bad, I would go to work, come home and want to leave almost every night to live my other life. My wife and son never saw me on weekends. This severely affected my family and my relationship with my wife. The neglect and feeling compelled to keep my secrets affected my wife so much with stress, which resulted in her not eating and weighing 40 kgs. She landed up on a drip with dehydration. Shana has been coming to Shofar for about a year now, and because I, do not agree, because I did not agree with her chosen path, I would attack her emotionally when she got home. My heart was hard and full of darkness, shame, and sin. All through this, my wife continued to be faithful, would pray for me, for my heart to change. Then about six months ago, I woke up no longer wanting to live the life that I was living. I asked Shane if I could join her and go to church. I walked into Shofar for the first time, felt like I was home. The welcoming experience alone was truly amazing. We started off with worship and found myself becoming extremely overwhelmed. This was clearly the Lord working on changing my heart. After coming, after coming again, Pastor Andre started um, by saying in one of his sermons this, that, that the spirit, he felt in his spirit there were people that needed to let go of shame and their past. This was me. I felt that Pastor Andre was, the Lord was speaking through Pastor Andre into my life. That morning I prayed the sinner's prayer and I gave my life to the Lord. I went to men's camp some months later, which for me was a life-changing experience. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and then in water. That changed my life. It was better than any drug I'd ever taken in my life. I got to share my testimony and to open up with men of, of God on the camp. That just gave me so much that just gave me so much support and so much encouragement. I felt all the darkness, shame in my past and the stress of my and the stress had been lifted from me. And something shifted. My heart changed and I was hungry for more of God. In the last six months I've made awesome friends with godly men and my family life is now amazing. I'm not stressed, I no longer have an addiction, I know I, I'm no anxiety and getting sick in the mornings, and my, my wife is now put on 10 kilograms. Amen. Glory to Jesus. I am a member of Shofar. I have started hosting, and I am part of a great life group with powerful leaders. Thank you, Carl and Nicole, for all that you do in leading us to become stronger Christians. My God is my Savior, and I know I have a long path to still walk with Him. But I know this is the right path. I can now look into, into the future with new eyes and have a positive outlook. And I am looking forward to what my father has planned for my life and my family. And how I can be used to help others suffering with the same addictions and problems. I just want to conclude by saying, for the people that are suffering with addictions, you need to lay it at the cross and seek God in everything that you do. Surrender yourself and everything and anything is possible through Jesus. And for the women and wives out there that are going through the same as my wife did, continue to believe and through prayer, the Lord listens and answers with grace and is filled with miracles. Just continue to be, be, be faithful and believe. Thank you very much.
Jesus saves. This is the, that, that this is the real deal. Real life change when you meet Jesus. Not just external change, change from the inside out. So I want us just to, uh, Royden asked if we could play this song. The words will be on screen. It speaks about being changed. And I want, while we're watching this, I want you to ask this question to yourself. Am I the real deal? Am I the real deal? Am I the real deal Christian? Am I, have, I, have I put the cross back at the heart of my being, sacrifice at the, back, at the heart of my being? Or am I part of the lukewarm, compromised Christians of this country? Okay, come on, let's evaluate ourselves. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this testimony, Lord. Thank you that you are with us. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.